Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Uh, uh, this week we're doing a little, we're doing a little, we're doing a little, uh, we're doing a little improvised jazz routine because we are are doing this with absolutely no notes and we are just free free balling it today, free birding it, if you will. Miles, how you doing? Um, I'm good. I'm just got home from work. Um, do you ever have, do you ever have one of those Mondays where you're like, you get home and all you want to do is just like suck a big can of liquor because you wish it was the weekend, man. I was so sad. The weekend ended like heartbroken. I had such a fun weekend and I sat on, um, I sat on, the, I sat on the deck or I sat on, sat on the deck with Taylor last night and I was like, I'm really sad. And she says, I know I can tell. And I said, I just, I just had a really nice weekend and I'm sad that it's over. Yeah, that's not what I was getting at, but sweet. I'm glad to hear, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you're happy. What a stressful um, day. Just a, yeah, stressful day. So I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to, yeah, keep her going. <laughs> Put it to, to that way. To pot out your sins? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't even pot out my sins. Yeah, I'm just excited to yell. I'm just excited to I'm just excited to sin with you, Miles. Is that a Sam Hunt reference? It is, yeah. Sick. Yeah. I just Sick. I just I just figured I would just, just figure I'd check that one in there. A um, little SH on a on a Monday night. Boys love it. Miles, speaking of the boys loving it. Yeah, Nolan, I hate to say a total so. You know what? I'll take the L on it. Fine. I will go ahead and take the L. But at the end of the day, I think I was right in my um in my reservations. I think I'm okay to have a few reservations after uh losing that heartbreaking game five. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But at the end of the day, um the sun shone, the power of positivity is 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 extremely nice, is good stuff. And boy, what a boy, howdy, what a last two games of that Oilers King series. The, 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 the fans were treated. The guys showed up, played hard and got two back to back wins, one in enemy territory and one at home and a massive Saturday night tilt and potentially the best Connor McDavid game we've ever seen. Um, but that's not it, Nolan, because that's behind us now. Now we look oh, forward. My God. Now we are in the elite eight, the semifinals. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. We are going to be going over a bit of a series preview for the remaining rounds, the remaining teams, and using that series preview to kind of do a little recap on the last games of the Super Game 7s. I think we had five on the weekend that were closing out the first round of the NHL playoffs. And what a playoffs it has been so far, my man. But with that out of the way, why don't we get started with um, our postmortem of the Kings? Well, I have to give the Kings credit. They played a really damn good series. That's a really good team, man. Um, a team without Drew Doughty and Victor Arvidsson, two pretty big impact players, um, and chugging along on the fumes of Jonathan Quick. Um, and I mean... Who was a, who was a resurgence, who, Yeah, and, and who, I mean... For 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 my money, played is saved his best game for Game Seven. Um, really made the Oilers work for it because the Oilers destroyed the Kings. Um, when you look at just overall domination of play, um, and Jonathan Quick held the minute from for the entire go. Um, 
with that being said, I did not get to watch Game 7, um, as, as, as you know, Miles, uh, because I was FaceTiming you while I was walking home downtown Toronto. Because I was very sweaty, so I went to a concert, my first concert in three years. I was very Sick. happy. Shout Sick. out Pup. Shout out Pup for a wonderful show. Shout out um, Pup for a wonderful show. But shout out the Oilers for an even better show. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad that you got to that you missed that one, Nolan, because it was a it was a really, really entertaining hockey game. So like I could have watched the third period on my phone, but they were up one nothing. And I, I was being very, I was not being superstitious, but I was being a little stitious and I didn't want to give the team bad juju. So I just kind of was like, maybe if I don't watch, maybe they'll, maybe they'll just continue this and then they'll win. And then I can watch the last like two minutes. And I was very happy to see that. And it worked out and it worked out. It did exactly as you, as you wanted it to. So yeah, game seven, Oilers, Kings, rowdy crowd. Uh, in the nation's cap or the province's capital, not nation's capital. Um, and boy, howdy, were we ever treated to a good one? Uh, goaltending duel, some might say, as Michael J. Smith made 29 saves on 29 shots, and Jonathan Quick had 39 saves on 41 shots for a 0.951 save percentage. I'm obviously not going to give you Mike Smith's because he had a shutout and it was perfect. Um, yeah, scoreless first period, uh, at the the end of the first period, the shots were 10 to 7 for the Oilers. Uh, and then the second period, Sir Codeth Cece of Ottawa, Ontario, uh, at the 13 minute, 15 second mark of the second period, decided to score his first goal of the playoffs on a goal uh, assisted by none other than the hobbling Leon Dreisaitl and Sir Connor McDavid himself. At the end of the period, it was 24 to 11 your shots on goal for the Edmonton Oilers. And then the third period was a seesaw battle. I don't really even want to call it a seesaw battle. It was more like a, um, like a really heavy kid on one end of the seesaw. And then like three other kids would jump on the other side and try to bring it back up. And that was just the Kings periodically making a rush or getting some pucks shot on Mike Smith. But at the end of the day, he stood his ground. And with about four minutes left in the third period, Connor McDavid went into sicko mode and scored his, wraparound backhand sick Kentucky Derby winning stud of a goal uh, shots finished 41 29. Like I said, in favor of your Edmonton Oilers, good night, Jim kite. We are off to the second round. Uh, the Oilers, despite a good game overall lost the battle in the dot 54% uh, draws one there by the Kings over one on the power play while not surrendering, surrendering any power play opportunities to the Kings uh, hits were actually even 38 to 38. And Connor McDavid took home first star. Jonathan Quick took home second. And Mike Smith took home third, which I know we don't usually pay too, too much attention to the three stars, but I think is a very uh, telling sign of how this game went and, and really rewarded the players of the game who were the absolute difference makers. So uh, at uh, 18,347 person attendance at Rogers Place, the Oilers did it, man, and punched their ticket to the second round. I'm so excited. Um, you brought up somebody that I actually wanted to quickly touch on because I, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention. Cody CC. Miles, have you, have you looked at Cody CC stats? Um, I did not. The other, what are you getting at? In seven playoff games, he has one goal, five assists for six points. That's pretty wild, actually. And a plus eight. And all 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 six of those points at five on five. 
Oh, is it showing you what an average time on ice is? He's like 21 something. That's pretty damn impressive. Um, speaking of pretty damn impressive, uh, speaking of the boss, Sir Connor. Oh, my God. Finished round one with four goals, 10 assists for 14 points in seven <laughs> games. He was a plus 10 and had six multi-point games. So every game except for that uh, game five shutout, he had multiple points and was just an absolute freak of nature. He was so good. And everything you read about like how the team rallied around him and how he basically led by example um i saw like i watched like i watched like a couple highlights of uh uh game seven and i know like it's like his very first shift he just goes and lays out was it sean dersey or somebody yeah it was the it was the like opening sequence in the in the offensive zone i think it was 10 seconds into the game yeah and like at the end of the day, like that, that's a guy you rally around. If, if the best player in the world is going out, laying, laying the body on the line and is everywhere on the ice and is willing to do whatever he can to win. That's huge. Like this, I cannot believe that we are seeing Connor McDavid get even better. There was a, and I don't know how true it is, but did you hear about this? The like verbal, not, uh, I need to restart that. Did you hear about what allegedly Connor said to Leon on the bench? Because Leon played this game hurt. Um, He had like a high ankle sprain from the last game um, with that WWE takedown that I think it was Mikey Anderson made on. It was bullshit. Garbage. But apparently somebody was doing some lip reading from the bench and saw Leon go like, oh, it hurts so much. And Connor was like, shut the fuck up or something like that. Eventually told him to just suck it up and play the game, which is absolutely outrageous, but also very sick that a Leon played that game and B was able to get a point and C was also just a rallying figure for the Oilers. Um, did you see, uh, okay. I, I, I know that we, uh, like, we kind of want to just like stick to talking about game seven, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention game six. Uh, and, uh, and Evander Kane's, uh, seven oh, he gave to God. the crowd. That the 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 term rock star gets thrown around willy nilly these days, but that's pretty rock star. I wonder by who, Miles. I wonder by who. Yeah, you're looking at him. But yeah, game six was wild as well. Sorry, apparently. Oh, I was just gonna say, somebody was doing some body language reading, and they think that McDavid was actually kind of pissed off about it. Because, like, yeah, because. Kane sat down beside McDavid on the bench and they had the camera on McDavid. Now, there's two there's two forms of thought on this is that it could have been that. And then the other one is like I guess uh I think it was either uh Mikey Anderson or Adrian Kempe kind of laid like another uh laid like another bullshit hit on Leon Draisaitl after he was already out there injured and that's why Jay Woodcroft was freaking out at the end of the game. Cause he was like laying into the refs. Like, like, what are you guys doing? Like you guys are letting this shit go. You're getting um, people sick. Yeah. Yeah. Except that you, you're getting people sprained ankles. Um, and so, but, but the weird thing is, is like when Evander Kane scored that empty netter throws up the seven, which is pretty fucking baller. I, I will even admit myself as a not big Evander Kane guy. Um, it looked like McDavid came over and just kind of was like, come on, man. Like, 
I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a good idea. But at the end of the day, um, the Los Angeles Kings also did uh, pack very big suitcases when they arrived in Edmonton, as if I think they were trying to do it like they were going to flex as if oh we're packing more because we would be going to Calgary next. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Mm-hmm. 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 And the Oilers made them eat their words, losers. Eat their words, nerds, big dorks. Um, yeah, man, just they did it. <laughs> That's all that needs oh. to be said, because I think that the most of the discussion about this team's moral fiber is going to be used in the segment that we're going to be talking about next, which is the preview against Calgary. Um, before we get into that, would you like to do um, just a quick recap of some of those other game sevens in the Eastern Conference? Absolutely. That, that works up perfectly fine with me. So why don't we start with the one that brings some of us joy? And that is the oh uh, Canadian hair, the, the Canadian <laughs> holiday that is Maple Leafs Elimination Day, Nolan, where the Leafs did what they did best and lost a potentially series close clinching game to the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning at home in Game Seven on Saturday night. Wow! Wow! Man, I f- I feel bad for Leaf fans. You know what? It usually. Um, yeah, usually I don't. And this year I do feel bad because I, I do think that they were the better team in that series. Yeah, I, I think so. And, um, you know, obviously there's the whole thing about the John Tavares controversy regarding, uh, the, the in quotations pick, uh, made by Justin Hall, um, yeah. which then led to the goal, not counting and it actually turning into a power play for Tampa. Um, now with that being said, guys in Toronto uh that that is a penalty you 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 cannot pick in hockey <laughs> I don't care whether or not it's the playoffs or not you can't do that in hockey it's just it's never been allowed and it's not going to be allowed anytime soon um but like you said I firmly believe that Toronto was the better team in this series um that's why I had so much faith in them actually making it into the second round was just they were given everything they had to Tampa, and it seemed like Tampa was just running on. I know I've used this term already in this in um in this episode, but like Tampa was just running on fumes by the end, and it's like, all right, we got to buckle down and do whatever we can to to close these guys off, and then you have the Braden Point injury on top of that. Yeah, I anybody who listens to the show is going to be sick of me simping over Braden Point, but I really hope that he's healthy and that he's back. That quad injury looked pretty nasty. So hopefully he's able to come back for the second round because um, I think that he's a massive part of that Tampa Bay team. And it's important for the stars to be there in the second round, not the Dallas stars, but the star players. <laughs> good, good one. Um, but yeah, it was a, another, yeah, that was a tough one for the Leafs. That was a really, really tough one for the Leafs. And um I think that it can all be surmised. Like, say what you will about the uh, about the pick play or the whatever for what happened in that game on on the Leaf side. It doesn't erase the fact that William Nylander is a fucking garbage hockey player and is just a lazy sack of shit out there. You hate William. Nylander. I hate <laughs> William Nylander, man. I hate <laughs> William Nylander is getting dangerously close to Rick Nash territory. Ooh, yeah, that's spicy. He's, he's a he's an absolute like offensive killer, and I don't mean that in a good way. Um, there's sequence at the end of the game there where they had uh, Jack Campbell uh, pulled and he's on the bench and they were running with six guys. And it was like, as soon as William Nylander would get the puck, 
two defenders would draw in on him. So instead of skating down low with the puck or dumping it or anything, he was just sitting there holding it. Two Tampa guys come out to him. So what does he do in that situation? Ring it around the boards, um, try to make a nifty cross, cross the ice pass. No, he passes it four feet over to the defenseman that's right beside him so that those two defensemen can uh, funnel in on him and get the puck out of the zone and take away like the offensive zone chance that the Leafs had. One example of many of William Nylander, but if you watch that series and talk to some Leafs fans, I know that they're pretty upset with him and it's very easy to see because he's a lazy hockey player. But at least uh, the NHL shows him getting dressed for a night out to go eat sushi in Tampa. So very sick that uh, he has his priorities in order. Uh, do you want to hear a good, uh, do you want to hear a nice William Nylander fact? Absolutely. So when I arrived to Toronto on Saturday with my friend, Brandon, shout out Brandon. Great time to see him again. We're walking out of union station and who walks past us? William Nylander. <laughs> How much Balenciaga was he wearing? Dude, he was fucking dripped out in a suit and was somehow this was front this was like front and like bay street like this was one of the biggest like one of the most populated intersections in toronto and was walking along front street in front of union station before game seven leaf fans everywhere all in jerseys and he's just like headphones on just like walking to the game i'm like that's kind of baller that's i know i've said it already but that's rockstar yeah yeah, that's but, not giving a single shit. Yeah, and we it walked showed past, on the ice because he didn't give a single shit. <laughs> we walked past him, and I was like, "Is that William Nylander?" And then I, I look at him. I'm like, "Holy fuck, that's William Nylander!" And he like turns around, like waves at a couple fans, but he's like, "Yeah, I'm just just walk into the game. That's that that that's it." Um, speaking of speaking of the Leafs, though, um, and we'll quickly close on this. Um, but like, where do you think they go next? Because I have my thoughts, and. I don't think they should really do anything. I was literally just going to say, um, if you look at the post-game comments, like Mitch Marner, tears in his eyes. He's like, we don't like this any, we don't like this either. And same thing for Matthews. He's like, we're close. We're so, we're almost there. We're almost there. And I think that it's just. Yeah. Stay in the you, course. Stay the course. Let, let that group have another shot at it because they made huge strides this season from last um, their play speaks for itself. And I think Dubas, aside from cap restraints, you know, probably holding him back from doing something insane. Um, and like his core that he has, right. They, they deserve another chance. The Leafs really do deserve another chance to keep that same group together and try to do something. I think also uh, now the only thing I do have worry about, and if I was Kyle Dubas in that situation, um, and I, I sh- I'd, be, I'd be remiss to also mention too that um, 32 thoughts also did drop today. No free ads. Um, and Elliot Friedman did speculate, and this actually kind of made me roll my eyes, is that he said that Kyle Dubas is going to have his, his, his Kawhi trade this summer, his, <clears throat> his Messiah Ujiri trade. And I'm like, okay, first off, there's not a top five NHLer that's just, just hunky-dory, like, available for free, or willy-nilly available for, uh, for William Nylander. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I think my, my overall concern, and I know it's going to seem like I'm tap dancing on them, but my God, I worry severely about John Tavares. <laughs> His boots cannot keep up. And 
it's really starting to affect his game. And if like he, he looks has, slow, is what you're saying? Yeah, he looks slow. Yeah. Um, he's a smart hockey player, don't get me wrong, but I don't think that's a guy that can play National Hockey League center for three more years. With the speed that that team has as well. Yeah. That's how they, that's how they get their business done is by beating the shit out of you like fast and furious. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately he's got $11 million for the next three years, um, which is not ideal because, uh, Oh, and he also has no move clause. So there's really no way of getting out of that contract. So kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen with that. Stuck in the middle with you. I don't know. Maybe give the maybe give the captaincy to Matthews next year. See if that m- magically makes them win the first round. <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah, sucks for Leafs fans. Sucks for the Leafs. Uh, really would have been a sweet series to see uh, the the Panthers and Leafs in round two. Um, I think still think that we're gonna get a treat with Tampa and and the Cats this you know this one as well. And I believe. They're not underway yet, hey? No, they're no, they play tomorrow, Tuesday night. So perfect. We're right ahead of schedule. Right on schedule. However, you want to look at it. Another game seven I want to talk about, Nolan. Uh, Hurricanes and Bruins. This is another one that I hate to say toe to so, but a toe to so Canes came out on top. Yeah, they did. And they did. Um... Max Domi had a big game. Max Domi was a game seven G unit. I felt pretty damn good about my pick, man. And um, yeah, it was just disappointing to say the least. Um, and now there's questions of Patrice Bergeron's future. Um, yeah, he definitely made that. He definitely uh, lit it, sparked, it, sparked a fire with that one. Uh, hugging all the guys and taking a really long time to leave the ice. So that was, that was tough to see. Bergeron, I don't care what team you cheer for. He's a guy I think that's extremely well respected by oh fans God. and players and personnel alike. He's, he's just a stud. He's one of the best, like he might be the best defensive forward to ever lace them up and classy player. Seems like a great guy and oh my God, fucking hot as shit. He's so good looking. <laughs> Was he, correct me if I'm wrong. No, it was Getzlaff that was the captain of that world junior team, that super team in Grand Forks, right? <laughs> you, you've, you've got me, you've got me. Uh, or, I feel like it was somebody worse. I feel like it was somebody that actually did not make the NHL. That'd be the 2000. Was oh, the it, was Mike, it was Mike Richards. Was it? It was Mike Richards, yeah. The U20 uh, world championship roster with Sid the Kid on it. And, and Patrice and Getzlav yeah. and Perry, like yeah, the the super team, yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was Mike Richards from Kitchener, Ontario. Bunch of freaking freaks is what they are. Speaking of freaks, Nolan, yes. uh, the New York Rangers decided to go freak mode and come back down three games to take their series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Going into Game Seven, Pittsburgh announced that not only Sidney Crosby. But their starting goaltender, all-star goaltender, Tristan Jari, would be joining the team for great, for Game 7. And I think that everybody in New York was shaking in their boots for that one uh, because those are two big pieces of that team coming back for a massive game. But it was all for none as the New York Rangers stunned the world and won that series in overtime, 4-3, to three, off of a power play goal in overtime from none other than the carb loader himself, Artemi Panarin. Man. 
this is like the um I, I know that we talk about analytics quite a bit on this on this show, but this was like the pure like I cannot believe these guys won this round. Um because if you look at every underlying metric behind the behind this series, the New York Rangers were one of the worst teams with regards to like expected goals and like defensive zone coverage and things like that. Um it was it was but they pulled it off, like you said. Um and and my goodness, I have to give a shout out to friend of the show, Connor Rogers. And his NYR girl Nick. and NYR Nick, but Connor had his girlfriend film a video of him, uh, of him watching the overtime, and she got his reaction in overtime when they scored, and it was completely hilarious. Um, and the he, he was telling me, see, he, I was like, dude, where are your pants? And he's like, I I pull my pants up so high because I get nervous. So it looked like he wasn't wearing pants or sorry, he had like his shorts he was pulling up. But oh, no, man, shout out, shout out to the two, uh, shout out to the two Rangers fans of the show. I mean, that's, that was a huge win. And uh, your reward is you get to go and play Carolina. Um, going to be a battle of two of the best defensive teams in the NHL in that round. That's going to be uh, pretty silky. So I'm excited to see that one. Um, say what you will about analytics and numbers and the Rangers not earning it. Um, th- like, and I talked about this on a previous episode too. Uh, the power play disparity in that series was insane. So that game, that series was getting called not very fairly in a number of people's opinions, but the Rangers found a way to pull it off. Another rock star moment. That's the hat trick pew, 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 of rock stars uh, for this, for this show. Uh, game six, I think Zibanejad missed on a breakaway and was looking on the bench at a, at an iPad, wanted to see, you know, how he could get better, what he could do differently, where it went wrong. And Chris Kreider reached over, grabbed the iPad from his hands and <laughs> threw it on the bench behind him. And you know what? That's sick. Like that's, a, I think that that's like, straight leadership because it's like hey who cares it happened it's over short memory move on um you don't often see pros do that and i think that that's like a pretty pretty sweet teammate moment if i do say so myself so um i think like sweet teammate moment because a like Kreider to have the you know um like so not to have the self-confidence to do that and be like come on man like grow up and then for zibanejad to not be a little a little uh press about it and get upset and be like, mm, he should have let me look at it and, and let that divide them or let that be any sort of distraction. The two of them were big boys, handled their business and kept going and, you know, were leaders for their team and, and contributed to a series win. So good on the Rangers. Excited to see what they do moving forward. Shall we move on to our opponent? Yes, Nolan. Yes. So game seven in Calgary, Dallas Stars versus Flames. Uh, just when you thought this one couldn't get any tighter. This one also goes to overtime on a Sunday night. And it is none other than ham and cheese, Jonathan Gaudreau, who scores an overtime goal on Calgary's 65th shot of the game. And 67th. finally, 67th shot of the game, uh, two away from glory and very close to the Rockstar zone as well. Roofs one over Jake Ottinger, who is everybody's unanimous first round MVP from the playoffs. What a series from Jake Ottinger. Um, but yeah, this is, I think, what needed to happen because the Stars did not deserve to win that series, did not to be in that oh position that they God. were in, and it would have been an absolute travesty to the game if the Stars would have. Did you watch last out. night's game? 
Um, I did. I watched a part of the third and on the overtime. That is a fucking sorry. Sorry for uh, we watched like the whole second too. I watched a yeah. good chunk of that game actually. The Dallas Stars. Oh my god, are a terrible hockey team. That's your favorite team. I can't believe you're saying that. I cannot believe how slow they are. How bad defensively they are my goodness what a series from john klingberg john klingberg was terrible <laughs> i thought you were i hi miro heiskanen was great that series for dallas he might have been him and ottinger might be the only redeeming qualities of that whole team well and J- jason robertson rupe hints and like the sick players and like joe pavelski but like and tyler sagan uh <laughs> but like just this so slow and and Klingberg is wanting eight times eight next year like what Oof. who's paying who's paying for this shit like the oh I've the like the stars are in need I don't know if they need a defensive philosophy change like maybe they just need a new guy behind the bench because who knows We've seen that shit work before where a new coach just comes in and then all of a sudden these like old stars find their legs again. Or is it just, well, we got Sagan and Ben for the next four years. We just got to keep chugging along and see what happens. But um, yeah, that, that team is in need of a major facelift this summer. A retooling, as some in the industry call it. But uh, yeah, that's it. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this series because I know that we're going to talk a lot about the Flames upcoming in our preview. But uh, what better time than the present to talk about the series that we may have all forgotten? The second round matchup, uh, the other Western Conference matchup in the second round. That is a couple of teams that have been waiting for a bit, it seems. A couple of teams that have been biding their time. And that's the Colorado Avalanche, who seem to be cup-bound playing off against the 2019 champions, recent champion, St. Louis Blues. I mean, you've... This is... This this is a series neither of us had. Yeah, this is... I mean... Because, Nolan. Yes. Because, Nolan. How did we do if we do a little bracket? A little bracket check. What are you... What are you... Oh, my God. Because I I know that my bracket got busted. So you... Not busted because your cup champ is still there. Yep. So you're, you're Cer- doing certainly okay. is. So you were two wrong in the west, two wrong in the east, one wrong in the west. Perfect. I was none wrong in the east and one wrong in the west. I you? was none wrong in the east. Yeah, perfect. I mean, yeah, that's how you fucking sound. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you want to do impressions of me? Well, take a taste of how it feels. It's yummy. What a tasty treat. So yeah, we've got the, uh, I'm going to clip that you saying yummy. What a tasty treat. Yeah. And play it every time Connor scores. Yeah. So Colorado Avalanche, St. Louis blues, two teams that have had a little bit of time off. Uh, it looks like Jordan Bennington and Darcy Kemper are expected to be the starting goaltenders for this series. When it kicks off tomorrow night in Denver, Looking at the teams at a 30,000 foot overview, they have the same average height of six foot one, average weight of 200 pounds, and the average age is about a half a year difference. So I don't think that that really matters for a Where whole Where the hell lot. are you seeing this? The score. Oh, you're on the score. I'm on the score. No free ads. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. I'm excited for this series. Um, I think that it's very easy to say that this is Colorado series. Um, and a lot of people last round, I think think 
maybe not a lot of people, but I, I think that that wild blues series maybe split down the middle in terms of how people thought it was going to go. Um, but St. Louis, like you, we talked about the depth, what do they have? Nine, 20 goal scorers. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. That's insane. And if Jordan Bennington is going to Jordan Bennington, like playoff Bennington and just do what he did in 19 and be a freak. Um, I don't think that you can discount them, but it's so hard to go against Colorado in this series. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, St. Louis, but this is, this is, this is where the train stops. Um, because kind of like Toronto, Colorado has, has the demon, has the second round demon that they still, for some reason, cannot get over. This is a matchup that is laid out on the carpet for them. And I firmly believe that Colorado will be able to overcome this. Um, I've got Colorado winning this in five games. Um, I know that we haven't gotten, I know that you never asked me for like a prediction or anything like that. Um, I just think that Jordan Biddington is not going to, I I think ultimately what sunk Minnesota was, it's ironic because it was goaltending. I I would say more than anything. (laughs) Um, and they went in with basically two number one goaltenders going into the playoffs, but Facing off against Kirill Kaprizov and like Joel Eriksson-Eck is very different from facing off against Miko Rantanen and freaking Nathan McKinnon. Oh, and also a little guy named a little guy named Kale McCarr on the back end. Um, I think that this is going to really expose potentially the lack of speed in some of the older guys on the St. Louis Blues. I know they got Robert Thomas. I know they got Jordan Cairo. I know that they've got Pavel Buchnevich. Some really good young guys. But this is a very hungry and evil, evil Colorado Avalanche team. And I think the only way that you can kind of really sneak by them is if you take advantage of those matchups, especially in the bottom end of the lineup, bottom six scoring, um, you know, being able to tee off against guys like Darren Helm and uh, or or even looking at some of the bottom pairing options on the Colorado Avalanche, like the um, the Sam Gerrards and the Josh Mansons, or the freaking Jack Johnsons or Curtis McDermott's. Like those guys are not very good defensively, so that's really the only way that you can make a pass it. But I mean, you've got a freaking five headed monster at this point. If you go Landeskog, McKinnon, Ranton, and Taves and McCarr, like that's impossible to defend. Yeah, and you're absolutely missing Kadri. In that no no I know but, well, but I, I was but more that, so just being like top top sort but, of pairing but that's guys. exactly but the yeah. fact that we're talking about an NHL All Star who at half the halfway point of the season wasn't top three in points yeah like isn't even scratching the surface of weapons goes to show what you're facing off against in Denver so yeah I agree with you I've got the abs in five as well cool. um I like yeah. when we agree I like when we agree to it makes it makes this whole shebang a lot easier it relieves the tension. <laughs> So we'll save the best for last and we're going to jump across the pond and we're going to talk about the battle for Florida, the Tampa Bay lightning and the Florida Panthers. Now this is a series where the bolts are coming in, maybe a little bit banged up a little bit tired after that seven gamer against the Leafs where uh, the Panthers also had a little bit of a scare and had to dispose of the capitals in six, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting. So I think that this series, in my opinion, is really going to come down to um, has Florida exercised its demons? Has it gotten all of the president's trophy juju out of its system? And are they ready to roll? Or is this the time that Tampa Bay kicks it into high gear and goes championship mode? 
I think the depth of the Florida Panthers is going to take advantage of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I think they had a little bit of a snafu to open up uh, to open up their playoff uh, uh, their their playoff Can run you here. Define snafu for me. Uh, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a goof or a gaff, you know, a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of a a little bit of a whoopsie daisy. Some gabagool. Yeah, but so a it's, little bit of gabagool. So it's uh, but but I think that this is ultimately a series where, when you have uh guys like Sam Reinhart and Sam Bennett in the I don't I mean I don't know if they're on the second or third line it doesn't really matter at this point does it, um and then you've got the defensive depth that they do, but the X factor in this series is this: Can Sergei Bobrovsky be Sergei Bobrovsky? He finished the first round with a 4-2-0 record, 2.79 GAA, and a 9.06 save percentage. And you're teeing off against Andre Vasilevsky, who had a 4-3-0 record, 3.04 GAA, and 0.897 save percentage. Vasilevsky wasn't very good, but you cannot bank on Vasilevsky being bad for another seven games. So, like I said, I ultimately think that the depth of Florida is going to be able to take advantage of Tampa Bay. And this is where the quest for a three-peat ends. <sighs> I hate it. I hate it because I agree with you. Yes. And I don't think that that's – neither of these are hot takes. That's why we got these two series out of the way because I think that they're pretty uh, pretty well discussed in hockey circles. I think a lot of people have their opinions about it, have been following these two teams all season and realize that they're behemoths and it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to say, what did you say? Florida and six. Yeah, we'll go Florida and six. I'm taking yeah. Florida and six. So yeah, we're bang, bang, choo-choo train. Come on, Panthers, do your thing. Next stop, Nolan. Yes. The other series in the Eastern Conference. And that is the Broadway Blue Shirts, the New York Rangers taking on the Carolina Hurricanes, Daytona, and Jesus, and barbecue rub. I love barbecue rub. It's so good. Do you just eat it by the handful, put it on your honeydew melon, or what? Dude, you know what I ha- you know what I did on Friday? I pulled a Connor McDavid and got chicken a, wings. I got a really good pound of chicken wings. Now this is gonna sound like heresy to some people, but I got them from St. Louis. And they were just tremendous. What is St. Louis? You never you 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 guys don't have a St. Louis like wing joint there? No. Oh, no. they're like a they're like a chain wing restaurant. Okay. And they have them all over Ontario. And uh, some some guy that's probably driving in his car right now that lives in Ontario is like, "That is trash. What is he talking about?" But you know what? <laughs> Um, my my wings were really good the other night. I got a nice little. It's like a little like a, a garlic dill sauce with it. Oh my god! And just wash it down with a beautiful glass of Bud Light. It was Buddy everything a, a man could have asked for in life. I so, drank. Uh, I drank a lot of BLs watching the Oilers on Saturday. Like a like a concerning amount of BLs. I had a really good BL at the concert. It <laughs> was it hit. a was it a branded BL? It was a branded BL. Yeah. So it was out of a can. Oh hell yeah! If I'm at a concert, I don't like drinking stuff out of a can. Well, what do they give you a bottle so you can hit somebody with it? Like, what do you want them to do? Sure. No. Um. I I just love it. Sure. I just love a, I just love a nice nice plastic cup. Ooh. 
Yeah. I know it's probably bad for the environment. Sorry, sorry, uh, uh, the uh, global warming police, but um, you, I, you, sh- you should have asked for styrofoam so that I could make lean. <laughs> no, isn't styrofoam worse than plastic? Is it? I don't know. I think styrofoam's pretty bad. I feel like we should. I feel like we should page uh, uh, West Coast Mal for this one. Yeah, she'd have definitely have an opinion. I'll uh, I'll do the recon, and that's how we'll open up next app. <laughs> Which non-recycle, which non-recyclable uh, beverage container is worse? Uh, tune in <laughs> as tune in as uh, Nolan decides to burn tires on live television. <laughs> Speaking of a tire fire, I think that that's oh, the there gonna, you go. That's how the series is going to end up for the Rangers. I think all I've been big on the Rangers all, all year. I've been uh, I've been talking about how much I like them, how good they are, how they're so much more than just a team with a good goalie. And this is where it ends, because I think that the Carolina Hurricanes are my my secret simp. They're your secret. Oh, why? Because of your favorite player, Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> you can't fucking say that to a guy. <laughs> you can't you can't just say on whatever platform you want that my favorite player is a racist. You can't imply that. That's <laughs> so disrespectful. Uh, no, for the record, Tony D'Angelo is not my favorite player. Um, but I like the Carolina Hurricanes overall as a team. I think they are gritty. I think they are well coached. I think that they have a sneaky offensive upside, not only from their forward, but from their blue line. Shout out Tony D, not my favorite player, just a guy who's playing good hockey right Don't now. Know if I, I, think, I think if you're defending you not, uh, not being a fan of a player, you shouldn't shout out that player. You can shout him out when he's having the playoffs that he's having. What? I don't know. You can just put like a, maybe put like, a, you could put like a. I don't like it. I don't want like to see it. You could put like a filter over your face and like, you know, as if you're being interviewed for like one of those true crime television shows. And you're like, oh, I'm actually a fan of Tony D'Angelo. Uh, I think he's having a good playoff series. But then no one would you know your identity. Call me deep voice because. Um, Tony D'Angelo is having a sneaky good playoff, and I think that it's going to result in the Philadelphia Flyers paying him a lot of money this offseason. Oh my god! We should we should uh before the off or before like July first hits, we should hit we should make our bit of like the greatest Philadelphia Flyers offseason this summer, (laughs) which would be like, all right, what are we lining up for? Evander Kane seven times seven, baby, let's go. Nazem Kadri, nine times six. Let's go. Kevin Hayes on the wing. (laughs) Tony D'Angelo, eight times eight. Let's go. (coughs) God, yeah, that's a a great sound for the upcoming Philadelphia Flyers offseason. Fuck me. So, okay, I have have Carolina winning the series in five. Uh, I have Carolina also winning the series in five. This is also going to be one of those funny, like... uh, uh, one of those funny a team that has historically really good analytical numbers versus a team that's got really terrible analytical numbers. So it's going to be a really good test to see. Yeah, and we call it the Nerd Bowl. Sure. Yeah. Call East it the, Coast Nerd. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not as sharp tonight. I feel like I could have a. I feel like I could have had a funny like. Cause like there's like toilet bowl, but uh, toilet bowls if for you know for bad teams, and these are not too bad teams. So. I'll come up with something, but Nerd Bowl's really good. I'm a Nerd Bowl for now. Nerd Bowl okay. will be the placeholder. Okay, sounds good. 
So we've talked about three out of the four matchups, and this takes us to our steak sandwich, our beef dip of the episode. And that is the Battle of Alberta. Your Edmonton Oilers taking on the Calgary Flames in the second round matchup. UCP pipeline. Jesus Christ. Cows. More pipelines. Ford F-150s questionable political opinions <laughs> um guys with fox hats white oakley's white oakley's yeah that's my tea pain uh what a series nolan we've got the battle of alberta so this is one that we had to google saturday night because we were arguing about this um flash mob what was the season series nolan between the flames and oilers uh, i believe it was wasn't two and two it was two and two. Yeah. Like the Oilers won the first two and lost the last two. Um, but I think everybody is automatically thinking that it was three and one simply because of the nine, five game to that yeah. finished off the season series. Right. Um, a real stinker for the Oilers, but we've talked about that at length and we don't need to look back. We can only look forward, but it was a two and two series split this season for these two teams. And both had a very similar end to the season in terms of points percentage. I think they were two and three or one and three in the league um, at the lot, you know, for the last 30 some games or whatever it was when they both got real hot. Um, take it away, Nolan. So obviously I made my predictions at the beginning of this playoffs and I'm going to stick to my prediction. However, the I understand that the Oilers won the first round. I get that. I get that they beat the Kings. I am paging everybody not named Connor McDavid. <laughs> Connor McDavid just dragged you through a pretty miserable first round. And this is the time for everybody to get their shit together and step up. Because he cannot pull all of this weight on his own. And I don't expect him to. And I feel terrible if he does. Um, which I can I have like a little like a like a little side note tangent thing very quickly, Miles. You know, is that is, is, is like is that okay? Go ahead. Okay, I'll be quick. I promise. But can can we can I can we stop hearing from Oiler fans um, now that we've won a game seven? Um, the the whole like. Oh, oh! You want to come back on? Oh, you want to come back on the bandwagon now? After you freaked out after the game five loss? I'm sorry. I've been an Oilers fan since I was a child. I know how it feels to be burned by this team, and I'm sorry. The last two years have not really given me all that much hope. And if we're gonna go back, if we're gonna rewind even more, since the last time the Oilers made it through the first round, the Oilers missed the playoffs two years in a row, and then decided to have two. Were, well, one, basically not make the playoffs, but technically technically not make the playoffs, but essentially almost a near sweep, and then a sweep in the first round. So spare me if I'm a little bit hesitant to put my faith back into this team. I don't think it makes you a bad fan if you are... Um, if you have a little bit of hesitation or a little bit of fear whether or not this team can actually come back and win a series. So I don't want to be called a fake fan. I don't want to be called somebody that's hopping back on the bandwagon. I think I have all the reason to be upset. But anyways... Sounds rather defensive. 
Sounds I, like you sounds like you went on the literal record talking about how they were going to blow the last two games. I thought they were on going the last to. podcast I, episode. I who's fully, to say? I fully ta- I fully take that. But don't but I don't want to be called a fake fan or like, "Oh, welcome back on the bandwagon." Like, no, there Oilers fans have a reason to be I'm not saying you are, but no. I'm but I'm like but Oilers fans have a fucking reason to be upset. Like that's that's it. I hate the people that are holier than thou, regardless of the sport, that are like, I'm a better fan than you, or I'm yeah. a bigger fan than you, so that makes me more important, or that makes yeah. my opinion of this team like better than yours. Like, it's so stupid. Yeah, like, I'm not I'm not getting mad at, I, like, I, I don't fucking get mad at people if they're like, oh yeah, Josh Archibald's a really effective player on this team. I'll be like, okay, cool, I don't agree with that, but that doesn't make my opinion more than yours. But no, like... I- it's perfectly normal to have to have reservations about this team. No, and, and like you said, especially after what we've been conditioned to expect from this team, um, it was sick that they exercised their demons and won that series and got past. But I think that you're bang on in terms of like paging everybody, not named McDavid, Dreisaitl included, right? Yeah. About the only other person I would give a pass to is Mike Smith because I think Mike Smith had a 100%. tremendous round one. Yep. And, and I think. Anybody who wants to make like a Mike Smith playing the puck joke, go ahead. You've earned it. You've got it. But like he had two shutouts in that series. He probably snaked one and a half games for them, but they didn't really. I wouldn't say that probably he stood on. He did what he needed to do for that team to win and had a very good series. And the numbers back that up. And Mike Smith is a stud. He was a stud stud around one. And most importantly, like he, he owned up to his mistake, right? Like he, he he made the he made the crucial mistake in that first game and he owned up to it and said i'm not going to do it again you yeah. know and mike smith is going to give us a heart attack every now and then when he comes out of the net you're like ah mike get back in the net but like you said he was he was awesome he was awesome in the first round series but no this is where the depth is so 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 important calgary might be the deepest team in the nhl like this is a intimidating matchup yeah uh last night when i was watching the game seven that was really the only game of that series that i watched and there was a point in overtime so you knew that the bench was short you knew they weren't playing everybody um and just hearing the announcers saying the names that they were saying there was probably two or three times where i was like oh shit i forgot they had him or like holy crap that guy's a flame and i was actually like starting at the end of it starting to get nervous and yeah. kind of hope and kind of hoping that Dallas uh, was going to score just so that the Oilers would have the matchup that I wanted them to. But I think that the, this Oilers team needs to needs to play this Flames team. And if they're and, if they're going to mature, if they're going to advance, if they're going to be uh, reputable in yeah. the league, they have to have this matchup and they have to they have to show what they're made of. And this is these are well, these would be two series in a row that are. I, I hate using this because it's just like such a freaking uh, boomer term to use when it comes to hockey. But like these are character building series. You know, your first one, you went in as the favorable matchup and L.A. punched you in the mouth a couple times and you had to sort of take your losses and say, all right, this is how we're going to rebound and this is how we're going to win this series. And winning a series does everything for a team. Once you get over that first round hump, you're a completely different team afterwards. and. If the Oilers can take their experience they got from that first round matchup and a team that was really good, like 
LA is not just some, I, I really like this revisionist history that I've seen from some people where they're like, Oh, the only, the Oilers only beat LA, but it's like, okay. But before the round started, all the people, cause it's all the, it's all the super, uh, uh, in quotation, smart hockey people that are saying that it's like, okay, well, before the series started, you were talking about how the, uh, how the, or how, how the LA Kings were one of the sneaky, really good expected goals teams in the league. And they were, you know, top three in a bunch of these different categories. Well, the Oilers beat them. So are they a good team or are they not a good team? Which one is it? And I think that overcoming that and overcoming those big playoff expectations will go a, a very long way. But like I did mention, you have to get depth performance and you have to take advantage of weaker matchups. And that's one thing I've been very impressed with Jay Woodcroft on is he's noticed these different matchups that he can take advantage of and he can swallow up the weak, the, the weak links on the other team. So call me crazy, but I was talking to a friend of the show, shout out, uh, shout out Jackson. And we were talking about which matchup we would have preferred to have if we would have rather had the had the stars or rather had the flames. Oh, easy. Well, easy. Okay, let let me just let me just explain. Um, I'm more confident. Okay, so what the Oilers' kryptonite seemed to be in that series against the the, the Kings was when the Kings forced the Oilers to play their slowed down trap style game. The Oilers struggled. And I think that Dallas would have done the same thing, maybe not been able to force them to the same extent, but would have tried to play a similar style. I think that the flames style of hockey is like faster paced um, and is more suited to the Oilers to, you know, keep up with than what the stars would have tried to trap them down and, and kind of restrain them to be and, and slow the game down as much as they can or as much as they can. Uh, I think that a faster game might be better for this Oilers team. See, I'm kind of in a little bit of the opposite. Um, I actually don't think that Dallas was really good at, at, at shutting down any sort of defensive zone. I think that they got really lucky off of the fact that Jake Ottinger held them in that series as long as they did. Um, my biggest concern honestly comes off the rush and it's, what the fuck is going to happen when Johnny Gaudreau takes the puck over the, over the blue line and has Matthew Kachuk, Elias Lindholm flanking him, and he's going after Duncan Keith. Like, that's <laughs> terrifying. Duncan Keith is among one of the worst rush defenders in the NHL. And that, like, that scares the ever-loving shit out of me because the Calgary Flames, like you said, like to play fast. And not only that, but they clog up the neutral zone. They will, they will get those loose pucks off of you. They'll force turnovers. So... Like I said, you've got to hope that everybody's all on board and everybody's willing to take advantage of those matchups and forcing turnovers. Forcing turnovers is going to be such a big thing in this series, and especially with guys like Eric Branson and, and uh, Nikita Zadorov. And then you've got that line with like, was it like uh, 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 Trevor Lewis and like uh, Milan Lucic and all that? Take advantage of those matchups. Like those, those are huge for you. Um, yeah, so they're really like we were talking about last episode. They're really going to need that Nuge line to show up and yeah, absolutely and make the absolute most of that matchup in order to come out of the series with with you know, um, if it's going to come down to superstars versus superstars, I like the Oilers. I still oh, do. So, so do I. Talked about that a while ago, but uh, those superstars need to be uh, have some supplemental help, and it's going to come down to the third line. So, uh, 
I want oh. to just quickly mention too for this series. Um, this was from Jason Greger today. Um, look for Skinner, Broberg, Nimalainen, Samarukov, DeHarnay, Holloway, Malone, Benson, and a few more to be recalled to the Oilers in the coming days for to be black aces on this team. Because Bakersfield has finished up their season series against the where they were they were they were they playing the the Flames AHL team I think yeah Adirondack Thunder or Abbotsford Heat or whatever they are yeah. Abbotsford Heat yeah yeah that's unfortunate <laughs> hey let the let the A team get the win and and have the NHL team get its win but I I think I I know that they've been happy with Josh Archibald but like. I would, I, I know that we're just speaking as fans and we're speaking as like, we like, we're not on like a professional NHL team, but man, could you imagine if they just give Dylan Holloway a try and how much balance that could, that could give to, to the bottom six. I see it on Twitter every day, Nolan, that that's what fans are screaming for. Like today, the Oilers made the announcement that Kyle Turris got recalled <laughs> and uh, the, a lot of the replies, where's Holloway, bro? Uh, thought we were going to be getting a Holloway shout out. Um, yeah, Ken Holland knows there isn't shootouts in the playoffs, right? <laughs> Stuff like that. So funny, interesting. We'll see. We'll see. Um, other than that, is there anything else you wanted to mention on that series? That I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to blacklist a number of my friends. And yeah, I just hope that I can get out of this with mental stability so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a bold prediction okay so i think the Oilers are gonna win this in seven and i think they're going to get demolished the first game okay i know that that's weird but i i think that they're gonna get like smoked like seven one the first game of the series that they're gonna come out classic oilers and play game one flatter than a freaking yep and then it's gonna teenager. be and then it's gonna be chugga 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 after that and Can I, I need to justify my joke. I was going to say flatter than a teenager's voice crack, but if I didn't finish that, it sounds really sexual. So I have to finish that. Joke. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, okay. Uh, quick little thing I wanted to mention before we head out of here. This is a short one today, everybody. Um, quick one before I wanted to mention out of here. Uh, big news out of Vegas. Um, yeah. Peter DeBoer fired. Fired. He is gone. Um, after... he, was like, he was like 98, um, 50, and 17. I will get you his official record. I think I'm pretty close. Well, let's, let, let, let's prove it. He was 98, 50, and 12. You're very okay, good. So he finished. Very close. Basically two, two in like a quarter seasons with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I mean, that's a really good coach that's available now. Yeah, uh, I think that that's one that why would like Vegas did the same thing with Gallant. I don't think that they needed to get rid of him. I think they were pretty, they jumped the gun on getting rid of him. Um, and the Rangers were the primary beneficiaries of that, right? So it's going to be interesting to see who's in the right place at the right time to get the bore. I think it was also, um, I think it was also, uh, you had to kind of pick between DeBoer or Robin Leonard. Because after how oh, he yeah. handled the whole Robin Leonard saga, I think that yeah. there was no way of... of There's no amic- from... amicable no. R- reunion of the two. Now, my prediction... Um, so there was actually two things I saw today that actually make a lot of sense. He, 
I'm going to give you the realistic option, and then I'm going to give you the fucked up option. Realistic option, I could absolutely see Barry Trotz being the new head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. Because, okay. like, they'll just they'll open up the checkbook for him. Is the is the fucked up one Joel Quinville? Yep. Yeah, I've been seeing that, yeah, too. Because and that, uh, that wouldn't freak me out, either. That makes all the sense in the world that like Bill Day or Bill Foley would be like, all right, I think you've served enough of your punishment. You can come and coach our team and it's a big name and they'll do whatever they can to get all the legal ramifications taken care of. That would be very Vegas. So Vegas to just pick up a just more scumbags, guys. I mean, what's more Vegas than being the most hated team in the NHL and then making like the most unpolitically correct coaching hire? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if they want, if they want this to be their village and orange story, origin story, they might as well do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I you know what, if I was a betting man, since, since we're talking about Vegas, I would put it on Quinville. <laughs> I, I really, I think that's where they go. It makes sense. It makes too much sense. Well, let's and leave I think that Tr- and I think Trotz in Minnesota or in uh, Winnipeg makes too much sense. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe, maybe, maybe Trotz in Toronto. Maybe I don't think Sheldon keeps going. No, I don't, I don't think so either. No. I'm just fucking with you. Well, Miles, you silly dude. Shall we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up and let's get excited for round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let us know how we did with our brackets our predictions i think we're keeping them pretty safe pretty standard based on what we had on our brackets that got posted on instagram and twitter uh but if you have your own takes we'd be love to love to hear them and love to share them uh as well so send those in if you do have any revisions we should probably mention we should probably mention too when the games are do you have the schedule in front of you good sir i certainly do when are the Uh, games nolan game one is wednesday may 18th Game two, Friday, May 20th. That's going to be a good night. Uh, and game three is Sunday, May 22nd. With the holiday? Oh, yeah, with the holiday the next day. That's a good point, Miles. That's a booze. That's a booze. Oh, yeah. That's a that that's probably a one-for-one one shotgun challenge. <laughs> oh, my God. It's an entire series of one-for-one one shotgun challenge. Pray oh, for your no. liver. Pray for your friends. Um, delete any contacts you need to that are not on the same side. Ops, gang, gang. We got no new friends. So wear your lucky sweaters, lucky bag of chips, rally caps. Set the set the plants up the right way so that everything has the the right juju for the Oilers to take this one because we are going to need all the help we can get. You heard it here first. Oilers and seven after a dumping in the first game. Let's see what happens. I'm Miles Fuchs. He's Nolan Schumann. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, go Oilers go. Go Oilers go.